I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Film Chat. On this episode, I take a job as a caretaker at a remote mountain hotel and I bring Sam with me. I have every intention to write that book I've been planning, but unfortunately, work and no play makes Danny go gaga. So I go on a rampage where I try and kill Sam, but luckily he managed to escape while I freeze to death. Oh, I was saying, hang on, what? Uh, yeah, that's actually just the plot of The Shining. Sorry about that. Uh, this is, in fact, just a podcast where we talk about and review films. I'm Dan Moran, and joining me is my distraught, shrieking wife, Sam Foster. This time on Film Chat, I take on my biggest movie review yet, as the Avengers take on their biggest enemy yet in Avengers Age of Ultron. Did I like the wisecracks? Did I hate Quicksilver's trainers? This is literally the only place to hear the answers to those questions. Plus, Danny takes a solo evening stroll back to his house to watch A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, Iran's first vampire western, and we drop in a review of spooky psychological coming-of-age drama The Falling. Katie assures me we will then have time for me to exhaustively describe every time on film Al Pacino has said the word yeah. 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 Hoi! Danny, I got a lot of letters this week, but they were personal and not related to film chat and not the sort of thing that I'd be willing to read out. Many of them were from bailiffs. Uh, <laughs> some of them were from lovers of mine, a few distant relatives. Um, a lot of the letters we didn't receive this week were about the uh, bowling trip, which is still going ahead. That's on May the 9th. It's the day before Danny's birthday. It's his 25th. This is the only time that my birthday will coincide with the number of film chat episodes unless we go on hiatus for a year yeah or i don't know uh, we have to drastically cut down how frequently we do the podcast yeah or we just start making one a year from now on yeah depends how good this bowling trip is yeah but maybe we can make 260 episodes by the time it's your 26th birthday then it will sort of be accepted <laughs> um but yeah you should come you should come everyone um you just go on our facebook page the event is right there you click on it 
you insist on that you're going but i think we should set a deadline right um because we need to book this thing yeah Sunday. Sunday. Let us know by Sunday the 3rd, or you just can't come. Or you just can't come. Just can't come. We'll just change the settings, and it'll be like, no, if you try to come. So you there, yeah, come. I will be taking a roll call at the beginning of the evening, and if you're not on my list, you can just, you know, just fuck off. Yeah. Because you just were not making the deadline, so just go away. But having said that, maybe we should tell people that they can meet us for drinks afterwards. Yeah, yeah, you can meet us for drinks afterwards. Yeah, go okay. for it. Okay, meet us for drinks afterwards. We'll probably, maybe we'll decide on a place to get for drinks. We'll stay there. We'll stay at the place till 2 a.m. So if you don't, if last, it's last, too last, busy last. for you to come bowl or whatever, then, or if, you know, we can't get all the lanes to fit everyone in, uh, then just come for a drink. All right. It's going to be good. Superhero films announced. Casting rumors leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tips. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's been to print. News now. News. I have some exciting news, Sam. Yes, tell me. The new Star Trek movie is going to be called Star Trek Beyond. Wow, that's the most exciting star film naming news since uh, The Force Awakens. Not only that, but Idris Elba is going to be the bad guy. Simon Pegg is currently co-writing the script with a other guy who isn't famous. Simon Pegg has promised a kick-ass role, hasn't he, for Idris Elba? Kick-ass role will for it, Idris Elba. Will it be as kick-ass as Luther, I wonder? Luther, Luther, Luther. Yeah. What's he going to play? Uh, just a sort of well, space I'm, I hope he's going to play some kind of intergalactic troubled policeman. <laughs> like intergalactic Luther. <laughs> yeah. Kirk, you slag. No, he doesn't really say slag. I'm getting confused with Ray Winston. Yeah, you're thinking of the Sweeney. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> but this would be good for Idris because, uh, well, he'll get paid. <laughs> and so he's going to be employed. <laughs> But I feel like he's a bit he's not really made a good Hollywood movie where he's had a substantial role. Mm-hmm. He's like a super charismatic guy, so I think he'd be a lot of fun as a bad guy. Yeah, so far his um most high profile role has been as a man who just stands on a rock and like makes a sword glow in uh, the Thor films. Yeah, and I swear that part is like his role is to be like as unemotive as possible. He's like a sort of living robot. Yeah, like, pretty much. Point is. The super charismatic... He gets to emote a little bit in a, in a brief moment in Avengers Age of Ultron. Although not not that much. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it'll be good to see him um, get his teeth into something nice and meaty. Let's hope that Simon Pegg carries through on that promise. Yeah. But what, what do you think of the name of Star Trek Beyond? Star Trek? Is it intended to reassure people who complain that there wasn't enough trekking in the previous Star Trek films? I guess so. They've yet to trek, right? Yeah, Star Trek Beyond Our Solar System, where we haven't <laughs> yet been in the, the Star it's Trek It's better films. than Into Darkness. Yeah. Is Star Trek is it a noun or a verb? I don't know. Yeah, Star Trek into Darkness. If Trek is a verb, really makes no grammatical sense. But, um, Star Trek over here. Star Trek over there. Star Trek into darkness. Star Trek into darkness. Yeah. Star Trek out of the darkness. Where shall we Star Trek? <laughs> Do they ever say that? <laughs> it's gonna be the first line of the movie. Where, where shall we Star Trek today? Do you think? I yeah. hope the new movie has more fleshed out roles for the female characters. Less just random bits of nudity. And I need to get changed right here. <laughs> yeah. Turn around. You didn't turn around. I that's, just got changed that's anyway. That's not cool. That's really not cool. I'm also thinking of changing my bra and panties right now. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that scene? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember being as erotic as you just made it. Ooh. I don't know. I don't like the look Katie's giving me. Yeah, it's a bit warmer. <laughs> well... Yes. <laughs> so much head shaking. Um, so, yeah. so, less so. of that. <laughs> what are you talking about? 
There's Have a you not scene. seen Star Trek Into Darkness? Know, but in general, <laughs> it's just a new title for the Star Trek film, okay? It's called Star Trek Beyond. I hope it's Star Trek Beyond, uh, open parentheses, lazy gender stereotypes, close parentheses. Yeah, thanks, Danny. You're yeah. picking it up. Thanks. Um, right, <laughs> any any more any more news? Anything else happened in Hollywood? Yes. Following on from last week's Star Wars news, another bit of news we didn't get around to talking about is Gareth Edwards' uh, first spin-off Star Wars universe movie, Rogue One. Yeah which has Felicity Jones attached. Now they've added Riz Ahmed from Four Lions and Sam Claffin from Hunger Games Yeah, and uh, The Riot Club. He's just in things now. Yeah, he's um, he's a sort of posh, um, handsome English man. handsome man. <laughs> and uh, the plot details is that it's going to follow, it's going to be like a sort of Top Gun and Space sort of thing about the pilots and it's going to, Focus on the mission to get the rebel plans, Isn't it which kickstarts the yeah. whole. It's set between hope. episodes three and four, right? Um, no. Yeah. Yes. It Sorry, is. I always get the yes. The, the numbers confused. Yeah. There's so many episodes. So many episodes. Yes, before New Hope. Yeah. So this summer we're gonna watch episode six, and then like next year no, gonna we're gonna be, watch episode so episode seven. seven. Then next year it's gonna be episode three point five. Three point five. And then after the year after that it'll be episode eight. Yes. It's just the it's like it's very confusing, isn't it? It's very confusing. I think, I mean, I like Gareth Edwards. I haven't seen Godzilla. I like monsters. Godzilla like was supposed that. to be quite bad, wasn't it? Yeah, I haven't seen it, so, so it could be so good. It probably was. It's probably like the Schrodinger's yeah. cat of uh, Godzilla movies to me right now. Yeah. It exists in two contrary opposite states until I've seen it. Um, But it's, like, it's that whole sort of thing of like, don't you want to know the story about the guy who provided the information that was the start of the plot of the other movies? Like, well, not really, you know? Yeah. I think I, mean, I think in, increasingly um, because uh, studios are really into the franchise universe thing, which we talk, we've talked about before. It just means that there's you know, increasing numbers of really unnecessary films, which you know quite talented people might be able to make a good movie out of. Sure, I think Avengers: Age of Ultron is a sort of example of that kind of thing, where it's a real studio imperative to to make that film rather than a like sort of narrative one. But the people working on it are quite smart, so. Yeah, that's why these things have good, better chances. What um, minor character from Star Wars do you want to see having a huge, like, three-hour movie made out of? I want to see a film that's all about why the Jawas decided to wear such big <laughs> cowls. Like a kind of Rudyard Kipling Just So story where they, like, start off really, like, confident and, <laughs> like, their heads are exposed. And then, you know, one of them is nervous or something and shy and, like, rescues the village. And then they all, as a sign of respect, <laughs> decide to, like, retreat into their cows. Something like that. <laughs> Sounds brilliant. You know what I want to know? Uh, you know that giant yeti thing that attacked Luke at the beginning of Emperor Strikes Back? <laughs> and they cut off his arm? What's the story there? <laughs> what happened after him, right? He's lost an arm. <laughs> the Empire descended on, like, Hoth. Yeah. What's his story, What's you his know? story? That's a good point. I'd like to see a whole film about that sort of like Jewish, the Jewish sort of wasp man in um, <laughs> the Jew fly slightly, from um, like the anti-Semitic like character. Hey, Andy! <laughs> hey, I sold your mother. I'm a slave owner. Jeez, my yamaka just fell off. Yeah, is that okay? <laughs> I'm so surprised my my wasp yamaka almost <laughs> fell off. Hey, hey, I don't pod race on the Sabbath, you Jedi scum. Hey, can someone get me a little kid who doesn't build uh, ships and race them? Come on. Where's yeah. my kafilka fish, Annie? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Just make a whole movie about him. It's like some kind of like Larry David, you know, <laughs> misanthropic alien 
you know, in a world that's just only one of many films they could make. Um, do you have anything else on your news? Did you write any news out? No. So, have you seen the trailer for Jurassic World, the latest trailer for Jurassic World? Yes. I always love talking about trailers with you, Sam. I saw that trailer. It looks like a piece of shit. It looks, what incre- do you think? It looks increasingly bad, Jurassic World. There was that trailer which, um, sorry, the clip that Joss Whedon tweeted about being kind of sexist. Yeah. Which he described as like 1970s sexist um, because of the sort of embarrassingly old-fashioned like dynamic between um, Chris Pratt's character and Jessica Chastain. He's just a man of the soil. He's like... Uh, you don't get me, man. You I'm don't like, get me. I'm, I'm a strong, testosterone man. I'm, I'm really cool. I you go where the wind me. blows. Yeah, you frigid bitch. Come on, <laughs> loosen up. That's she's kind of like, that, she's yeah, there, she's organizing a station on her desk. He comes in, yeah. he uh, moves a few of her uh, razors around, puts uh, the sharpener where it shouldn't be. Yeah, he takes, takes a piss, he's like, pisses <laughs> on the floor a bit, leaves the toilet up. <laughs> does a shit, throws yeah. it the wall, <laughs> and she reacts badly to it because she's such a. Yeah, he's like, get off my case, get I'm, I'm going to go bowl with the guys. Exactly. I'm going to go bowl with the raptors, <laughs> they're my friends. Yeah, that's dumb. Raptors yeah. can't be your friend. Come yeah. on, they just fucking rip you apart. Yeah, well, he's like a raptor whisperer or something. <laughs> what does he say to the raptors? Just calm down, calm fuck down. Okay. I like your big claw. I like how one claw is really big. Great, great one claw. Yeah. Let's be friends. I don't know. It doesn't look that great, does it? I think I think the the original premise seemed a little bit flawed, but they were like, next for this movie, instead of a park, it's a whole world. And instead of a dinosaur, it's a mega dinosaur. Yeah. Um, That sounded kind of silly. And then it's made it bigger. Yeah. And then the trailer is not, it's not really looking at I feel like I've already seen the film. Yeah, I feel like I've seen it as well. It's like Jurassic Park, but there's more people in it. <laughs> like the same, the exact same thing happens, except there's more people in the park, right? And the dinosaurs are bigger. Yeah, the dinosaurs are bigger. It's less well written. Everything, every they just took, uh, they like looked on a sheet where they'd written out every individual item that was in Jurassic Park <laughs> and just written like times. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Three or something. <laughs> So the big movie this week and the uh, big movie of pretty much of the year is um, Avengers Age of Ultron. It's the sequel to the superhero behemoth mega film <laughs> <laughs> Avengers. Um, Avengers Assembly over here. It's very exciting. Uh, I've been looking forward to it. I think, like, in, you know, for most blockbusters that come out, I am, you know, generally uh, the sort of weary cynic that you want reviewing your films. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for this one, it still t- captures a little bit of the, um, uh, you know, I still get a little bit of, like, fanboy excitement for it. Yeah. I'd say I'm yeah. a sort of moderate level fanboy. So, yeah, I um, organized a huge film chat outing to go see this. Um, two people came, two of my closest <laughs> friends came. Chris and his girlfriend, Ruth. Chris was kind enough to send in a little 
snippet of what it's like going to see a movie with me and hopefully this will encourage more listeners to join me in the future. At the start, uh, Sam looked like a man ready to be entertained. And entertained he was. He leant forward eagerly to better appreciate the moments of action, laughed heartily at the film's lighter moments, and often could be seen saying to himself, yes, I am enjoying this film. Overall, he was as sensitive a viewer as he is a lover. Although I will have to mark him down for not passing the Bechdel test. A minus. Very good. I can't really disagree with any of that. I'm glad that he readied me so hardy, to be honest. It's quite flattering. So, uh, in Avengers Age of Ultron, the start of the film, the Avengers are trying to retrieve the magical scepter of Loki, um, and the Norse god Loki. Uh, sure. He was the villain in the first Avengers, you might remember. And they're trying to get it back, and they encounter two um, exciting new villains. One's called Quicksilver, who's played by uh, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, and the other one is called Scarlet Witch, um, played by Elizabeth Olsen. Quicksilver runs really quickly, which is obviously makes him quite hard to deal with. <laughs> Where's he gone? And Scarlet Witch like gives people really unpleasant dreams. And then they they but they get the they get the scepter anyway. And they're back. I you know Iron Man's back at his house and he's fiddling about with the scepter, trying to create an AI program that will uh, protect the Earth, called Ultron. And instead, he creates an AI program oh, bent God. on destroying the Earth. But it's it still called Ultron. Didn't carry a one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I forgot oh, to carry the one. Oh, God. Yeah. I sent him to evil. Um, yeah. So sense. basically, the Avengers have to sort of deal with the Ultron. mess that he has created. Mm. Um, and yeah, basically, I, I thoroughly I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It's uh, It's got a much trickier task. It's almost like someone set Joss Whedon like a really hard puzzle that he had to solve. You know, yeah. where it's like... Because a lot of the, um, because it's this sort of massive franchise and Marvel has this vision for where it's all going and like all these different movies and how they all, how they all have to interlink. Yeah. There's a lot of things that he had to include and a lot of things that he had to do and there are restrictions that you wouldn't necessarily like want to impose on yourself as a filmmaker. There's like eight previous films that like before this one, plus he's got to set up two gigantic films after this one. Plus the like extra you know movies in the franchise, sure. Like you know the Captain America three has to be kind of hinted at and like all this. Plus you've still got the problem of having about like eighty main characters all interacting with each other. Like there, there's like um, however like seven heroes or whatever, and like and uh, more villains this time, and new characters introduced, and they all have to like you know grow and be well developed and then the plot has to make sense and everything it's just like a it's just like a nightmare yeah sounds um and even though like it still feels like a bit of a jumble and it it's like it's always sort of teetering on the edge of being like just like collapsing he just about manages to hold it all together it's a real sort of plate spinning act and it's really impressive given how many movies fail to draw coherent plots or like you know their, their characters don't work on a much smaller like scale um what he does there is uh it's pretty good yeah I, i'm i'd um struggle to think of somebody who could do it other than joss whedon yeah it seems like his credentials are just tailor-made for this problem in a yeah way. absolutely that's what kind of makes me worried for the upcoming ones is because i don't know like i don't know he's just done it so well i don't know where they're gonna go I don't know how much better it could have been than it is, you know? Right. How, um, one of the great highlights of the previous Avengers movies was uh, Loki himself. How does Ultron rate as a villain? Does... Um, he's, he's great. Ultron is a great villain, but he is kind of similar in that he's another super intelligent, wisecracking kind of humor villain. But I think that 
those kinds of villains are so much better and like more entertaining to watch than someone like the Guardians of the Galaxy villain, Ronan the Accuser, which is just a sort of walking, intoning, <laughs> like boring guy in a cow, you know? Yeah. Just like, I will crush you. And that's like pretty much, you know, his only line. Um, whereas Ultron gets a lot more, it's a lot more to do, and it, and it makes a certain amount of sense as well because the kind of idea of, the, in, of him as a villain is that Iron Man creates him, and he's this sort of like twisted, evil version of himself. And oh, it's I like see. How much of him is like what Tony Stark is really like? All oh, right, it's confronting his ego. I mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like his narcissism has created this monster. So, yeah, he has that similar kind of wisecracking tendency, and he's very funny. He's voiced by James Spader, who does like a really, really excellent job. The other two villains are maybe not quite as good. Um, Aaron Taylor-Johnson is a relatively boring man. He's got a slightly sort of comic, comical Russian, like, Count Chocula-type accent. <laughs> you know, he's a bit like, <laughs> I, I ran too far, didn't see that coming, oh! And uh, Elizabeth Olsen um, is probably, like, a slightly sort of better actress. But mainly what she does is creep up behind people and give them dreams, like, give them bad dreams. Isn't that what Loki did? Getting people's heads, like, he made Hawkeye not Hawkeye in the first Yeah, but, like, she does more kind of, like, messing with them, you know? Oh, I see. Like, one of the things that Joss Whedon does very well is he's constantly killing two birds with one stone. Like, it's a total bird uh, massacre, (laughs) (laughs) this film. Because he's, like, because he doesn't want the film to go on forever, but he still wants to pack in, like, the, the plot and the character stuff that he wants, like... Every almost every line has to do like three different things. Yeah, and one of the things that he can do with a character who um, messes with people's heads is that he can have this sort of character and backstory and that kind of thing that he wants to include, oh, and little... at the same time, you know, move the plot forward by having them fight a baddie. Yeah, you know what a I mean? little exposition wizard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or which um, and uh, and similarly, like it's full of wisecracks. It's got that it's sort of real Joss Whedon thing of like everyone is constantly wisecracking all the time which they tend to be quite well written so it's good even though you feel like all the characters start to sound like each other yeah but the wisecracks in this movie tend to add something like they either are for plot reasons or they're calling back to something else wow or they like develop the character you know yeah it's got complex yeah it's got that um it's a bit like an edgar wright movie you know where you feel like every line is there for a reason you know nothing is like throwaway so that's quite good it's got a similar um, thing to the um, Avengers, the first Avengers movie, where like the action sequences are very like competent and cool, but they sort of lack a certain amount of wow factor. It's more the sort of wow of uh, it's all these cool guys jumping and running and like fighting, and I like seeing them do all that stuff together. But it's not like really visually amazing in the way that you know some Christopher Nolan sequences can be. Yeah, the climax is a little bit um, is a little bit of a repeat of the Avengers, and it's also got that Marvel movie thing of like threat to a city in the air mm. you know um Airborne threat yeah and it's kind of similar in that in the, in the end of the Avengers, they have to like kill a bunch of faces aliens who all look exactly the same and in this they've got to kill a bunch of robots that all look exactly the same right and there's a slightly kind of cut and paste feel where it's just like you know they had lined up all the action beats and then just like you know sure here's hulk killing a guy here's thor killing a guy blah 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 yeah, yeah. but that aside that aside good, good. I, I i had a lot of fun yeah as I'm... as Chris says, I I smiled. I was you know I was Weeping. gripped. I weeped. I, I weeped and weeped. And uh, yeah, you should all go see it. And now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it astoundingly poor? How did Danny form a judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. Well, Sam, while you were with the drooling masses, yeah, you know, watching some like. 
kids movie about a giant robot and i was watching real cinema yeah the, the, uh, by myself even on bigger my girlfriend's laptop <laughs> using stella's netflix login code like the way true cinema should be appreciated so a girl walks home alone at night this is a iranian vampire western it is written and directed by anna lily amipour it is uh, actually an american film it was shot in california <laughs> Well, that's bullshit. It's bullshit. You just told me it was Iranian a second ago. It's it's uh, all the actors of Iranian uh, extraction, okay. and it's all uh, done in Farsi. Next, you're gonna be telling me there's not, there's not really any vampires in it or something. Uh, no, it's just a short of a chair. <laughs> so the plot, such as it is, uh, in a fictional industrial Iranian town called Bad City, a young man called Arish works as a gardener. He's uh, supporting his deadbeat junkie dad, who is in debt to the local dealer. And meanwhile, a girl stalks the streets looking for prey. And that these two lonely characters' lives are intertwined. Mm. So, as a sort of disclaimer slash cop out of this review, there's one of the good things about this movie is that it resists easy categorization. And I watched it yesterday, and I was mulling over it, and it could be that I've missed the point completely. And like in a week's time, I'll have a completely different opinion on the film. But I think that's to its credit. So, what's uh, so impressive about the film is the way it creates this very strange, engrossing tone. But that tone allows for like sort of massive variations within it so there's like out and out horror moments and out and out like comedy moments but it never feels disjointed in any way is it is it lynchian i know that's the most like overused comparison in the world but yeah it's like it's got had comparisons to david lynch and jim jarmusch which are in many ways just like a byproduct for the word weird in reviews <laughs> but like it's it's like yeah it's true to an extent because they exist in sort of like uh alternate nowhere bland which is very 50s influenced like the main character looks like a sort of iranian marlon brando he drives a convertible there's no real technology a lot of 80s music it's like you're not really sure where it is and it's got a very sort of dreamlike mood to it right yeah um but like uh what it's good at and what like is similar with those films is like a lot of people try and make like a david lynch movie or jim jimmy's movie but it's hard to make a movie which is weird but you're like with it. If something's like too weird, you're like, what the fuck is this? It's alienating. It's alienating. But it's like it establishes like the rules of the world in a like not to an exposition y way, but it's like it's like a sort of real, but it's like it's like a beat different, you know, if you kinda yeah. follow me. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting subtext of the movie. Like the very fact that the main character is a female vampire in a country where women are subjugated and she's out like stalking men. I see, yeah. It's kind of interesting. But she's not like an avenging angel figure. She's just like a sort of female vampire. How dare you oppress my kind? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, yeah, there's another good thing about the film is like, it's got all this kind of subtext and imagery to it. And you imagine there's, you could write like an essay about it. But it's just all like in there. And there's like a sort of quite engrossing, melancholy sort of like love story aspect to it. Hmm. The way I would describe it is like, it's a very rich viewing experience, but it doesn't, it's not hard work. So it's got like a quite simple story to it, which is really well done and just uh, just like fun to watch. And then just you you finish watching or whatever, and like then you think back to bits in it. And you're like, oh, like yeah. that bit meant that bit. And yeah, like, yeah. There's just the whole. You feel like you're in such safe hands from the beginning, and it's so like lovingly crafted. It's all shot in this amazing black and white look, and it's got this awesome soundtrack, and everything just like fits perfectly, and. But it's, you know, super well considered about being sterile. Like, there's all these, there's like a sort of meet cute scene, which is amazing. And it's so full of, like, spontaneity. And, you know, and it's like, ah, oh, this is, you know, and it sort of comes out of nowhere. That's the sort of thing. When I was watching the movie, it's like, any scene is like, oh, this happened next. Like, you know, 
it seemed like it came out of nowhere and then you're like oh of course that scene happens yeah, yeah. you know yeah it's just amazing the main actress Sheila Vans amazing in it she has like no lines but uh, she just sort of wanders about with her hijab on and uh, it's like what the hell's going on there girl she's got like such an amazing face she seems to communicate everything just by like widening her eyes slightly mm. you're like oh my god so she makes up for what could be a very poor memory with her <laughs> incredible screen presence yeah she might have had a lot of lines that she just forgot <laughs> forgot to say them just couldn't do it I don't know I watched this film yesterday I thought about it all day this really stayed with me you watched it yesterday you're talking about it today. Tomorrow I'll be <laughs> running a novel about it. Come Saturday, my adaptation of the film. I'd recommend it. It really stays with you. Okay. Well, I say that. I mean, it's only stayed with me for about 24 hours. So <laughs> I can't, it's quite a bold claim. <laughs> my favorite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen and she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends and the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. Uh, the Falling is a British drama that just came out, directed by Carol Morley, who uh, has not made a great deal of stuff previously, but she uh, made a movie called Dreams of Our Life in 2011, which, have you heard of that? Yes, I have heard of that. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen that. Um, that was quite, that was very well received. It's kind of documentary drama. And now she's doing, you know, all out fiction. She's gone there. Um, and it's uh, got Maisie Williams, um, Aria from Game of Thrones in it. Basically, it's about this, girls' school in, like, 1969, and uh, Maisie Williams has this very sort of passionate friendship with um, another girl there and a rather unpleasant home life with her cold mother, played by Maxine Peake, and she's got a sort of weird, lecherous brother. He Like, it's mostly female characters in the film, and what he he doesn't have that many other men to interact with, and he's mainly just sort of, like, perving on all like this. <laughs> Any sort of girls he can get um, get yeah. close to, and anyway, there's a sort of tragic event at the school, following which girls start experiencing fainting spells. It's a little bit spooky, a little bit weird. Why are they fainting? You know, is it like a medical problem? Are they kind of are making the, it up? Are their brains overheating from yeah. too much thought? Yeah, it's an it's an interesting movie. It's very interesting. It's um it's been it's it's one of those movies that drives film critics to compare it to like a million other movies. Yeah. You know? And one of the comparisons I've heard several times is to the Peter Weir film Picnic at Hanging Rock, which I haven't seen, but I've I heard it's very good. And it's it's always got a sort of like heavenly creatures esque thing with sure. the kind of like um the sort of intensity who, of the intensity of the like yeah, yeah, this sort of young girl's friendship. And because I'm like not you know I'm slightly ignorant so it just reminds me of like the most recent film I saw that was a bit like it <laughs> which is Duke of Burgundy you know we were talking last week about Duke of Burgundy in a film where you just yeah. take out all the men I thought I was wondering if it was going to be like that in this film but unfortunately yeah. there were a couple of men <sighs> um, but it is similar in that there's a kind of gentle strumming pop soundtrack and a lot of shots of nature you know like every so often there'll just be another shot of nature it's a bit like the uh, meanwhile in San Francisco moments in the room you know? it's like <laughs> Just like remind yourself by like looking at a lake or some trees and stuff. It's got quite a it's good. It's got a cool spooky atmosphere. Maisie Williams is like absolutely amazing in it. I think maybe I I giving her more credit as an actress because I you know looking at it she looks like she's about fourteen. You're like this is an amazing performance by a child, but I think she's actually like eighteen. So anyway, she's really fantastic in it, and her friend is played by someone called Florence Pugh, who I don't know at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think she's like quite unknown, but she's really amazing. Like, the performance is really really cool. The story I wasn't like. It was interesting, but it starts to slightly lose its way, I think, towards the end. Like, it gets a little bit formulaic with the strummed Tracy Thorne 
pop music and the shots of trees and the like girls fainting and it's all very sort of enigmatic and odd and like is there something sort of occult going on but then at the end it gives you some answers in a way that almost feels like you know you don't want them because it's too it's too tying it up too much you know it's too much like oh so that's why the character did that you know i get it now it's like when that almost seems like it yeah that loses something but yeah i definitely recommend it it's um it's it's uh that's probably also one that stays with you a little bit you know it's got a it's got a kind of seeps in Um, we watched many of these movies we might get anything done we'd be too busy thinking about all these films yeah well it was nice it's kind of nice to see it after watching like age of ultron because you just watch this like massive bombastic film with robots bashing the hell out of each other and then you can go and see this quiet um you know school kids looking at each other and uh you know being really intense kind of movie it's got a little bit it's got a slightly sort of history boys-esque thing where um, children are like unnecessarily like well-read and articulate you know they yeah. they're constantly making references to Wordsworth and like like we did yeah exactly it's just like ah, it's just like my it's just like my level someone would say something like you can only be free if you are conscious that's what Freud says or something I wouldn't have that kind of conversation when I was your age young woman yeah I'd, it probably won't hang around that for long um, that long because every cinema is busy showing Age of Ultron a million times a day so you should catch it if you can Yesterday I bumped into Imelda Staunton She was up with her dog and we got talking I asked her what she does when she isn't acting She said she likes podcasts for relaxing Imelda, when you're in the mood What do you listen to? She said I listen to one podcast I listen to one podcast Will the ones can kiss my ass Because I listen to one podcast Film chat, film chat, film chat, film chat, film chat And finally, Danny, have you seen Fast and Furious 7 yet? No well, you're in an increasingly small uh, portion of the Earth's population because um, everyone <laughs> is going to see this film. It has recently surpassed um, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, to become, part two, uh, to become the fourth highest grossing film of all time. Um, oh, God. Unadjusted uh, figures, but still. Wow. That's pretty big. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a mega hit. Everyone is really excited as well for the release of the soundtrack. I think yeah, that, like uh, the, the every track of the soundtrack has um, gone to like top ten or something crazy like that. Right? Really, is that? Yeah, like the um, the Paul Walker tribute song was number one for like yeah. ages, and like they keep on releasing stuff on the album, and it keeps on charting really highly. Yeah, so I think I mean this movie was well received, so I think um, in general, pretty people are pretty happy about its success. But one person who's probably um, ruining the day a little bit is Idris Elba. <sighs> Oh, Idris. Because they approached him um, on the basis of some of his strong uh, music that he's produced in the past. They approached him to write a song for the soundtrack mm. and unfortunately didn't make it on um, the official release. Um, I understand that they had two issues with it. One of them is that it was written in the um, persona of John Luther and they thought that it might be a little bit confusing for viewers um, sure. if he was singing as this uh, sort of gruff London policeman who really has no... <laughs> part to play in the Fast and Furious universe. Yeah, I could see that. And secondly, it was clear from the song he sent in that he has never seen any of the Fast and Furious films and he had no idea what this one was about. It's just a chancer, isn't he? Just a week before we can get away with it. <laughs> he's just, well, you know, he's a very charismatic man and he's got a lot of musical talent. And he probably thought, it's okay, I'll just, you know, smash it out. It'll be epic. People will love it. Yeah. You know? So I think he'll probably um, be on his Murder Loves John album. Right. But we are fortunate enough to be able to play you an exclusive clip from the song, which you will not be hearing um, when you go to see Fast and Furious 7, unfortunately, um, because I think despite its flaws, it's actually a very strong track. 
Wow. Do you want, do you want to hear it? I certainly do. All right, let's give it a listen. John Luther, you can't outrun the law. I have serious emotional problems. So quick, so angry. I'm as speedy and enraged as a killer bee. I'm fleet-footed and temperamental. And I got six other friends who are identical. We're the fast and the furious seven. There's not a single race we couldn't get ahead in. We're the fast and the furious seven. We take being mad and turn it to eleven. It up to it. Everyone's so slow, it's exasperating. I stormed ahead of you, now my ass is waiting. We're eating up the ground like kangaroos. And if you try to box us in, they will blow a fuse. There's smoke at our heels and steam from our ears. We know you want to hold us back and it's grinding our gears. We're the fast and the furious seven. Put the brakes on us and we will bash your head in. We're the fast and the furious seven. We take being mental and turn it to eleven. Turn it up to them. Vroom, 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 ah, vroom, vroom, ah, vroom, 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 ah, vroom, vroom, ah. I don't know what you mean, Ian. I don't know what you mean. Wow. Did you Mo- like it? Moving stuff. Yeah, I think he knocked it out of the park again. Incredible. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. He just gets so into the character of Luther, you know? He's just so he's just so in the moment. It's like he's Luther playing Idris Elba the rest of the time. Exactly. That is exactly what it's like. Well. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Everyone. Come bowling with us. Come bowling with us at Rowan's and on, on May the 9th. Have a lovely week. I just want you to know, I want you to know, listeners, that even if you haven't receiving you know notification invite or whatever i'm not sure if we can invite people on facebook who aren't like friends with us I or know, tenor, the technology is sure. beyond us slightly also we're very busy people we don't have time to be clicking loads of invites <laughs> just come so just come go on the thing find open the event page click attending and attend and be there hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Yeah. Okay. See you there. See you there, guys. Bye. Bye.